If your AC is blowing hot air, let O'Reilly Auto Parts help bring back the cool this summer. While you may need to eventually service your AC unit, get immediate relief with Interdynamics Arctic Freeze R134A refrigerant with leak sealer for $32.99. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supply. See store for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Blog Talk Radio. Lucis Trust, a non-profit, non-political, and non-sectarian organization on the roster of the Economic and Social Council of the United Nations and concerned with the establishment of world cooperation and goodwill presents Inner Sight with your host, Robert Anderson. He, with Sarah and Dale McKechnie, President and Vice President of Lucis Trust, will discuss philosophical and spiritual topics essential to everyday life. Now here's your host, Robert Anderson. Welcome. Inner sight is simply seeing that which is always present, but not yet fully recognized. You have, within you, the ability to see yourself and the world around you in a new way with new eyes. So, stay with us, and together we'll look at the world and ourselves with inner sight. Our topic for today, right response to the suffering of others. And before we explore this topic, I'd like to say a few words about Alice Bailey. Alice Bailey is the founder of the Lucis Trust, and Lucis Trust sponsors this show. Alice Bailey also wrote 24 books of esoteric philosophy, and those 24 books are the main inspiration for the dialogue that you hear on this show. The following thought is also from the works of Alice Bailey. When the solar plexus is cleared of undesirable forces, then true love will take the place of emotion, and compassion will be substituted for pity. Understanding will take the place of the registration of suffering. Can you begin by describing the difference between compassion and pity? I'll try. Um, Pity is a word that probably has a kind of a loaded connotation to it. Certainly we're all familiar with self-pity. That's a big one for some of us. Pity can also have an element of condescension in it, I think, um, as if you're looking down on someone from above. I think, in the more spiritual sense, pity is the focus on suffering, but seeing it only at, um, at, at its own level, seeing suffering, if it's physical, on the level of uh, the distress it causes to the body, seeing emotional suffering on the level of uh, how unpleasant it is emotionally to witness. Compassion, on the other hand, has, I think, a higher perspective that it brings to the picture. Compassion senses the suffering of others, but it also brings a bit of the view of the soul, which is from above, and has a much higher and broader and more inclusive perspective. So pity, to my mind, is is awfully close to commiseration. And I don't know if it's really very helpful to commiserate with others. I don't know if that brings them the aid they need. 
No, I think uh, this, this is a rather difficult, rather subtle kind of distinction here between <clears throat> pity and uh, compassion, but um, uh, compassion is, is, is a little more difficult to understand because it um, it is involved in the soul. It is a soul characteristic, a soul quality. And uh, when one is truly compassionate, there is not that uh, self-focus involved and quite often um, if one says he's displaying compassion then uh, often there is this self-focus I think that that kind of taints the whole thing. I think when you study the ageless wisdom in the books of Alice Bailey you get a very different sense of how to react to world suffering, how to view your own suffering how to help people the the willing personality wants to get in there and um, offer advice and um, in a way meddle or interfere because they think the person that's suffering is too preoccupied with pain to know what to do so we offer advice we we end up sometimes interfering with the best of intentions and yet from the ageless wisdom point of view detachment is needed and that may sound cold and a bit remote But in fact, that detachment from the level of suffering and keeping the gaze on the soul, which is on its own plane in a place of peace and harmony and goodness and beauty and light, no matter what's happening to the uh, outer, uh, to the person on the outer levels of life. If you keep that, that more distant, detached view of the soul, you can very likely offer more help. And in fact, there are three ancient rules for how to help others that give us a perspective that we might not have considered. Our, our purpose is not to do for another what he can do for himself, but to strengthen him in his own resolve. And rule one says, enter thy brother's heart and see his woe, then speak. Let the words spoken convey to him the potent force he needs to loose his chains, yet loose them not thyself. Thine is the work to speak with understanding. The force received by him will aid him in his work. That's quite different than doing for another, isn't it? Well, yes, and enter thy brother's heart and see his woe. I mean, that is uh, rather difficult, too. Uh, Yes. It's it's not just... um, you know, uh, identifying strictly at the personality level, because that does tend to uh, bring on a sense of pity. But it is entering into into the soul and, and seeing the bigger picture, seeing how this uh, this apparent uh, suffering um, is related to the larger whole. And uh, because most every experience of suffering, I think, is there is a uh, uh, a, a larger, larger context in which this whole experience exists, and I think uh, trying to see it from the position of the soul uh, does help uh, give a better perspective. The third rule is also interesting along that line. It says, "Blend with thy brother's soul and know him as he is. Only upon the plane of soul can this be done." Elsewhere, the blending feeds the fuel of his lower life. So, 
This again says the perspective of the soul is distanced from the personality that is suffering, and the suffering is occurring on the level of the personality. That part of us that lives on the outer planes of uh, the three worlds, uh, mental, emotional, and physical, that part of us is what suffers. The soul does not suffer. The soul on its own level knows its plan, knows its purpose, and is detached, uh, not engaged in the suffering that we experience on the outer levels. So only upon that plane of the soul can this um, this resolution of the cause of suffering be done. And when we can help a person to rise to that higher level, to remember that they have that inner strength and that inner core of resiliency and wisdom, uh, only then can we really help them. Right, I think it's it's rather than just stand there and say, "Well, oh, um, how sorry we are for oh, your, you. for your you, for your suffering." Mm-hmm. Uh, try to try to bring out of them that greater strength that is that is within them, and uh, that somehow will help lift them up above the, uh, you know, not in the physical sense, but uh, in uh, in the spiritual sense. You lift them up above the situation and maybe they help them to see the, this uh, <clears throat> also the perspective of the soul it's so easy but it's a little too simple to just give an expression of sympathy and at the same time avoid really getting uh, too involved in the service of the uh, the sufferer it's too easy to just express pity, sympathy, and yet um, not help resolve the problem. In fact, the writings of Alice Bailey say something that might surprise our our listeners. It, it surprised me about the pacifist view that wants to refrain from entering war of any kind because it causes suffering and often death. Well, yes, it does, and everybody of any reasonable mentality knows war is a terrible thing. Wars, what formed the whole pretext of the ancient scripture, the Bhagavad Gita, and the disciple Arjuna did not want to enter into the fray. He wanted to sit on the sidelines. But Alice Bailey said the great error of the neutrally minded and the pacifist is the refusal to identify himself constructively with human pain. She said even when he reacts with a violent emotional reaction, over the suffering that he witnesses, she said he does often not truly care enough to do anything about the situation because it would involve sacrifice. And she said this sounds harsh, but it's a needed statement of fact. Sympathy which does not produce positive action of some kind, she said, becomes a festering sore. Sympathy that doesn't lead to some positive action becomes a festering sore. That's interesting to ponder on because um, if we just wring our hands and say, oh, how terrible, we're actually in danger of compounding the difficulty, I guess. Well, yes, I mean, uh, suffering is not to be ignored because there are, you know, in in many third world countries, there are millions of uh, people that are suffering and that have very little to to eat or to drink, and then they have diseases, and 
the world, people of the world are beginning to wake up to these, these uh, conditions and they are beginning to act. And I think there is a lot more compassion in the human be- being than, uh, than used to be in the mm-hmm. past. Mm-hmm. And this is a good sign because it means an awakening of the human heart and that is a, a great balancing uh, characteristic and quality that is much needed in the human kingdom because of this uh, tendency in the past for for war or to for hatred or for violent acts against other people and that's still going on but there is still a great deal of compassion and true compassion of uh, giving of one's time and energy and money particularly in the philanthropic world mm-hmm. uh, there is a great deal of giving of, of money now and uh, also of uh, direct aid <clears throat> and this is a sign that the human race is finally waking up I think and uh, and exercising that real soul quality and I think that also suggests that maybe we're ready for a still higher level of assistance. The giving of direct aid, money and physical relief, counseling and so on, is is important and helpful. But there's another level of spiritual service that we can also cultivate. Alice Bailey talks about insight being a quality of the soul. She says that soul insight is the capacity to see into a form, whether it's a person or a situation, and to see through that form to the subjective reality that has made that outer form what it is. And she said this insight is more than understanding, sympathy, or comprehension. Those are just the effects of it. She said it's the capacity to pierce through all forms and arrive at what they veil because that reality is identical with the reality in oneself. And there I think we have a definition of what compassion is. Compassion is that capacity to transcend borders, barriers between ourselves and others. Compassion is what breaks down that sense of separation between ourself and another person or between ourself and a whole people that we see suffering. For example, after the tsunami, there was this enormous global expression of compassion. And also after September 11th, I think many of us felt that. And that's the transcending of the borders that separate individuals on the level of the personality because it's coming from the soul where there is oneness. This is a special offer from Lucy's Publishing Company that we have today. And in case you've ter- just tuned in, by the way, you're listening to Inner Sight. And our topic for today is Right Response to the Suffering of Others. Now, that special offer is an Alice Bailey book, the title of which is The Soul, the Quality of Life. The Soul, the Quality of Life is a compilation of extracts from the 24 books of Alice Bailey. The Soul, the Higher Self, is the source of compassion for all living things. And th- this particular theme is um, is written about throughout this book, The Soul, the Quality of Life. Uh, the special offer comes in the form of free shipping and handling if you mention that you heard about the offer on Inner Sight. 
Uh, the book is available for $16. And once again, it's free shipping and handling if you mention Intersight. Send a check or a money order, $16, to Lucis Publishing. Lucis is L-U-C-I-S, Lucis Publishing, 120 Wall Street, New York, New York, 10005. That's Lucis Publishing, 120 Wall Street, New York, New York, 10005. We appreciate your donations. They are tax deductible, and um, uh, they're also evidence of your support for this show. We appreciate them. And what you can do is uh, send all donations if you'd like to help support this show, keep us on the air. Donations can be sent to Lucis Trust, 120 Wall Street, New York, New York, 10005. That's Lucis Trust, 120 Wall Street, New York, New York, 10005. All of our Inside programs can be heard on our website at www.lucistrust.org. On the home page, you'll find a link to today's program, which will be available for hearing in a day or two. Last week's program is already available, and many of our past programs can also be heard. Once again, it's www.lucistrust.org. The theme of each week's program is posted in advance on our website so that you can see in advance what next Sunday's program will be. And also, if you'd like to get in contact with us for any reason, if you'd like to order books or if you'd like to schedule uh, uh, of our meetings or like to know any more about our radio shows, cassette tapes, or a package of general information um, informing you as to what uh, Lucis Trust is all about, you can give us a call on our toll-free number, 1-866-695-8247. That's 1-866-695-8247. The easier to remember it is one 866 NY Lucis, think of one eight six six New York Lucis, Lucis L U C I S. I was looking at the opening thought, and uh, as interesting as that opening thought is, there are a couple of things that are kind of cryptic to me that I'd like maybe you can uh, uh, tell us more about them. In the beginning of the opening thought, it says, When the solar plexus is cleared of undesirable forces, then true love will take the place of emotion and. Uh, and, uh, and compassion. How, now, what, what's meant by undesirable forces in the mm. solar plexus? I mean, mm-hmm. I have that sometimes when I've had a bad meal, or if I <laughs> if I see someone who's, who, I miss, uh, who I know is out to get me, I get kind of like. And also, when I met my wife the first time, I was kind of gaga over, so I had butterflies in my stomach. <laughs> so we need that. But I'm sure that was a pleasant sensation. <laughs> that was a positive. Yeah. 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 Let's not say that was uh, undesirable. Um, well, it's a good question. Well, first of all, we should say the solar plexus, for those who haven't heard that expression, is the uh, the gut, I guess we could say. It's one of the seven centers of consciousness which follow the spinal column and uh, the two centers in the head. And the solar plexus is located in the abdominal, abdominal area. It's the center for emotion, astralism, um, everything that makes us react rather than think makes us reactive through emotional response and that's where a lot of our trouble lies undesirable forces are all those um, feelings that we experience that keep us separated from others locked into ourself uh, feeling ill will in harmony suspicion hatred fear I don't know the list goes on and on and when that whole element of response to life is cleared away and one is living more in one's mind, 
then compassion becomes possible. But I don't think you can feel compassion and be stuck in your emotions. I just don't think it's possible. And a lot of well-intentioned people probably think they are being compassionate when they're really emotionally reacting. Well, sure, they have a, a, an emotional reaction to uh, suffering, for example. Or, you know, somebody's just suddenly lost their home and their their loved ones, perhaps. And so there is a great tendency to to reach out and with an emotional response to their suffering, which is understandable. But also, uh, as, you, as you mentioned, all these negative characteristics that can cloud the uh, lower nature, the emotional nature, and uh, they just kind of hang around one and become a, a, a veil or a shroud, let's say, that <clears throat> we look through. And so if, if you see com- a, a, a compassionate situation or a situation of suffering, then your reaction is is going to be seen through that uh, that veil of uh, negativity that surrounds you, and that will uh, characterize your response. I think um, an insight comes when we realize that the spiritual hierarchy, the masters, are called masters of compassion, and the Christ and the Buddha are supreme examples of compassion. The Buddha is known for uh, his compassion throughout um, the Buddhist world, and the Christ is the personification of loving, merciful sympathy. When we think of them, though, we don't think of them as commiserating with us, do we? There are no tears pouring down their cheeks in the um, images that we have of them. What we think of is their serenity, and they're all-inclusive, all-comprehending understanding of what it means to be human, what it means to suffer, and yet they are not undermined by it. They retain that positive view of human potential. That's compassion, because they see the human being and all human beings in their full range of possibilities, not just in the present suffering, but in the possible attainments that are ahead of us and that we will grow into as we become stronger. And we do grow through suffering. We all know that, that um, some of our bitterest experiences are the very things that give us more spiritual muscles. Right, and and Christ uh, was tuning in not just to the suffering of of the people around him at that time of his his life on earth, but uh, he was tuning into the suffering of the world, all humanity, and uh, it was he could he could see uh, the travail of our our pain, and and uh, so it was by only by standing apart could he really help. He, you know, he wasn't really right down here among us and, and crying among us and and uh, giving a characteristic of pity and all of that. But he, he was able to stand apart and above it all, and that's how he could really help by being the Christ that he is. 
There's another mm-hmm. element to it, too, um, to their achievement, and I think that's that they are examples of complete impersonality in regard to themselves. They have absolutely no self-focus, and that can be a goal we can all aim for. Compassion becomes possible only as we turn our eyes away from ourselves. And pity, that's why I said it so often, self-pity. We're focused on our own problems and our own misery. But as we turn our gaze away from ourselves and toward the need of others, we become compassionate. And that inclusiveness that develops as we turn our gaze outward to the world and to humanity is what feeds the, the quality of compassion in, it, in us. So compassion can be cultivated, but it has to be done through becoming more impersonal in regard to ourselves, more indifferent to our own problems, more aware that there are other people who bear a far greater load than we do. And as we direct our attention out to them, we forget our own woes, I think. Right, and that's why the, if the solar plexus is cleared away of all the undesirable forces, then there is a, 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 a solar plexus, there is a center there that is receptive to a higher influence of the heart and of the soul, and um, that's when those energies can pour through us and can be expressed uh, by a true sense of compassion, which is that more uh, less identified with this little self, and um, so it is getting out of that little self that will allow the true compassion to come through. The soul, by its very nature, is inclusive, isn't it? It's not identified with the individual separated life of the personality. It's identified with the whole uh, of the human family. And so as we enter into that view of the soul, we become truly aware of need, but also of human possibility. I think that's the important point, at least for me to remember, that the compassion that we feel is at the same time aware of the potential within the suffering person that um, they can grow beyond it, they can rise above it, and we can strengthen that spiritual possibility in them by believing in them, not just commiserating, but believing in their strength and their capacity to overcome. Alice Bailey said a few words about suffering that I think are a good point to close on. She said, shirk not crisis, hard and difficult though it might be, and crises are difficult. But she said that we shouldn't forget that the habit of confronting crisis is a long-established one within humanity. Man, she said, has the habit of crisis. It's not new. She said crises are only the points of examination as to strength, purpose, purity, and motive. They evoke confidence when they are surmounted, and they produce a greatly expanded vision. So the next time we find ourselves in a crisis, and the next time we are suffering, we should remember that it's producing strength in us, a better sense of our soul purpose, and a clearer realization of the direction of our life, the direction our life should take. And she said, these crises foster compassion and understanding for the pain and conflict they have engendered is never forgotten because they draw upon the resources of the heart.
Please take advantage of the special offer from Lucis Publishing Company, and that's the Alice Bailey book, The Soul, The Quality of Life. The Soul, The Quality of Life is a compilation of extracts from the 24 books of Alice Bailey. The Soul, The Higher Self, is the source of compassion for all living things, and uh, this theme is developed uh, throughout this particular Alice Bailey book. And you'll see much of today's discussion included in the book as well. The special offer comes um, in the form of free shipping and handling if you mention that you heard about the offer on Intersight. So for today, the book The Soul, The Quality of Life is available for $16. And if you want to take advantage of this offer, please send check or money order $16 to Lucis Publishing, L-U-C-I-S is Lucis, Lucis Publishing, 120 Wall Street, New York, New York, 10005. You've been listening to Intersight. Now we would like to close with a world prayer called The Great Invocation. It's a call for light and love and goodwill to flow into the world and into our hearts. Let's listen for a moment to these powerful words. From the point of light within the mind of God, let light stream forth into human minds. Let light descend on earth. From the point of love within the heart of God, let love stream forth into human hearts. May the coming one return to earth. From the center where the will of God is known, let purpose guide all little human wills, the purpose which the masters know and serve. From the center which we call the human race, let the plan of love and light work out, and may it seal the door where evil dwells. Let light and love and power restore the plan on earth. Hey folks, Dirk Bentley here. If you've seen one of my concerts, you know I'm all about energy. Performing, recording, traveling, being a husband and a father, it's a busy life, and I need to be 100% every day. So when my battery starts running low, I grab a sugar-free, vitamin-packed, five-hour energy shot. It tastes great, and it gets me back to 100% fast. Try it. It could work for your busy life, too. For more information, visit 5hourenergy.com. If your A.C. is blowing hot air, let O'Reilly Auto Parts help bring back the cool this summer. While you may need to eventually service your A.C. unit, get immediate relief with Interdynamics Arctic Freeze R134A Refrigerant with Leak Sealer for $32.99. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supplies. See store for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.